Diane Matson interviewed Chef Jackson Fellow in Adelaide four years ago when he won a Global Basque Award for his work on Indigenous food. Here's Diane's introduction to the late chef. The culinary world lost a dynamo this week. Master Chef Judge, award-winning restaurateur and champion of native foods, Jock Zonfrillo, died suddenly on Sunday. He'll ever be known for at last giving us a truly Australian cuisine. While he was perhaps best known of late for his role as judge on the Juggernaut Master's Chef series, Adelaide claimed the Scottish chef, who was one of the first to set benchmarks in the fine dining area, where unruly native Australian food was turned into delicious wonders at his lauded restaurants Orana and Blackwood. His work told the world about South Australia's food prowess. While his personal life was often clouded with controversy, he was a master of reinvention who later readily shared his journey in the hope of helping others. First overcoming early years of drug addiction to establish himself as a major identity in the global food setting. He was a key figure in recent years of Tasting Australia, an annual national event which just opened in Adelaide on Friday. Adelaide chef Jock Zonfrillo has just been awarded the equivalent of the chef's Oscar. He's won the Basque Culinary World Prize, regarded as an award for chefs improving society through gastronomy in areas ranging from innovation to education, health, research, sustainability, social entrepreneurship and economic development. Now, uh, Jock's been working extensively with Australian Indigenous communities and he's championed the use of native ingredients in his Orana restaurant in Adelaide. He speaks to palate member Diane Matson in Adelaide and uh, we must apologise in advance for the quality of the phone line here. How are you, Jock? Um, I understand you're just home from receiving this award? Yeah, just, um, I wasn't there for the, the actual sort of reveal of, of who won, but uh, I was over in Europe at the time, so I landed back into Australia and uh, it's the news that we had won. So, yeah, it was fantastic news. Where was the award actually presented? The award ceremony isn't until October, so the announcement, though, was in uh, Modena in Italy. And will you be going back for the ceremony? I dare say I'll have to, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I understand you've been partying a little bit and that might have something to do with your croaky voice today. No, I've got got the flu. um, In my my own defence, I've got the flu. But no, yesterday my wife put on a a surprise party for me uh, after one of the awards, so it was really nice to catch up with our friends and, and celebrate together. It was pretty good. Yeah, well-deserved, I'm sure. Dr. Rana has been going for about five years, is that right? Yeah, that's right, five years now. And so, can you just tell me a little bit about the ethos behind it? Uh, we started Arana basically to support the idea of the Arana Foundation, really. Um, uh, I, I sort of, I don't really want to open a restaurant and lose a ton of money and, and uh, you know, try and sort of do what we're doing, really. But um, in order to get back in the support and understanding for the foundation, um, it was critical that, that there was some kind of short window, if you like, where, where people could sort of actually see, taste and eat what we were talking about and, and therefore understand it. So it really uh, it really has gone a long way to helping us um, launch the Arana Foundation in the way we have. And um, I, I think without, you know, having done the restaurant the way we did it and making it sort of, you know, you know, globally, you know, 
some of some of this very well talked about internationally. Um, we just wouldn't have been able to start the foundation properly, really. So the Exeter Foundation, um, which is connected to the restaurant and the the native food ethos, um, can you tell me a little bit more about that and the and the work that you do with indigenous communities to bring their food to our table? Um, it's really it's all it all boils down to acknowledgement, I think, really, and, and I think um, that acknowledgement hasn't really sort of happened in, in uh, since settlement, really. Um, so we we you know look to engage in, in uh, projects with these projects um, in communities, uh, and the projects are community based for community benefit. Um, and then you know we can do it in a small way. You know even pre around at various restaurants I've worked at where we engage with the community, set up a fair trade agreement, um, and then pay for for ingredients, uh, help them get Section 18 so they can commercially harvest. And then we, we purchase the ingredients and, and they come through to the restaurant and then we work out how to use them in the, in the best possible way. Like, so, you know, rather than get just enough sort of push tucker and they get dried out and sold, um, you know, we'll, we'll use the place to season fresh and we put it through our process and work out how best to, to use that ingredient and, and how, how best it can sort of be translated into modern gastronomy again. Um, and then use it in the restaurant. So basically the foundation aims to benefit communities by creating, uh, by creating this project, but in, in the community, not the cities or anything like that. Okay, and so there has been a huge trickle-down effect from Arana to other restaurants around Australia now using um, quite a lot, lot of native ingredients. What would yeah. you say have been the probably the, the top five ingredients that are new to us and that have taken off and that have, have become quite popular on menus today because of the Arana push? Um, I think um, I think saltbush is fairly common now in, in most restaurants these days. Carcala, yep. um, sea spray. Um, uh, I've seen a lot of, um, of green ants now that are fairly, fairly prevalent now. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to you know, I think we were using green ants in, in a sorbet. I think you probably had that in one of the yes. early meals that you might have Very had. Very early, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I think I, I, at the time there was only green ants and uh, like a, a very small liquid sugar and, and, uh, and water that was in that, that sorbet. And we used to get people to guess what it was, but of course nobody, nobody knew. <laughs> but it, the green ants have a lovely little citrus sort of kick, don't they? That's right, yeah. Mm. So it ends up being, like in most people's city, would guess, you know, lime or lemongrass or caffeine yeah. wine or something like that as a sorbet, but actually obviously the flavours answer. So, you know, they, I mean, you can see even Chris Lloyd now, Artisan Cheesemaker from, from uh, South Australia, um, Woodside, the yeah. name of the brand is, and she's uh, even exporting green ants and cheese over to the US now. So, um, you know, stuff like that is, is really important because it creates, it really does create fair trade. And, and you know, the ants that we use at the restaurant come from a number of different communities. Um, we can get Section 18 to harvest it. We have to have licenses to, you know, to, to transport live into it. And, you know, so there's a lot of work goes into starting these projects, but it's just one of the So, wow. but yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a good trickle on effect, I think, nationally. Um, and there's really quite a wide variety of flavours, isn't there? Because like the salt bush is quite salty, and then the cascala is more like a succulent, isn't it? So it's really quite a, a moist and juicy. 
Yeah, um, I, think, for the I think I think the beach the beach satellites really um, are something that chefs find easy to use because they're so sort of salty and, and crunchy and you know it's easy for them to use in a dish. And I think the important part of the whole process was you know showing both in Arana and uh, Beach with Blackwood that you know you can use these ingredients easily um, in, in different ways in different types of cuisine as well. So it doesn't have to be you know. Yeah. Yeah, but you're conquering the world with an, an Australian native cuisine or something. You know, it can be in Chinese food, it could be in Thai, it could be anything, you know? Um, no, well, that's great. We make, we make a catch of pepe in, in uh, fish for black wood and, and we use a native pepper, you know, a classic Italian Roman dish, but we use a native ingredient and, it, and it's delicious, you know? Okay, and the price um, was 100,000 euros, which equates to around about 155,000 um, Australian dollars. Have you got any idea what that is going to be used for in the foundation now? Um, we've got a board meeting tomorrow. Um, it's the first board meeting since I've been back from Europe, so um, that's, on the, that's on our agenda. Certainly, we know that um, whatever project it goes into, there's a couple of requirements for me. Obviously, the, the prize... Um, the prize is for the chef, um, and I'm donating 100% of the prize to the foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I, what I would like is that, you know, first and foremost, as with all projects, 100% benefit needs to go back to the indigenous community. Mm-hmm. No, no cut-throughs along the way from, from anyone. Um, and secondly, I'd, I'd really love it to be tied into a project that, that has some kind of... Uh, some kind of involvement with the bath centre itself, so the you know the prize has some kind of a legacy, uh, right. you know, and, and it may well be where we have bath students uh, coming over to Australia, and we have a bit of a you know we have a bit of a swap, and, and vice versa, we might send some indigenous kids that work in Nevada over to the bath centre, for example. Oh, right. that's fantastic! So you have um, indigenous um, students in your kitchen. Yeah, we have we have a, a number of different um, indigenous training schools that send kids from from time to time. We have a, a full time indigenous forager, Peter Watts, who forages for us in the restaurant as well. So whenever we, we've got an open door policy for for any indigenous you know kids that are, are still learning to cook, but also for you know for people that are looking for a career in food, um, it's an open door policy and you know, right. backwards for for indigenous people, so it's great. Okay. And we, all, we have a steady flow, so it's good. That's excellent. Um, so, who who were you up against for this prize? Um, it's a pretty, pretty stiff competition. There was another nine finalists. There's 140, I think, uh, applications, and someone has to, someone has to uh, nominate you. It's not a self-nominated uh, award, so um, okay. somebody has to nominate you first of all. It was three people ended up nominating us. Um, oh, that's yeah. great. And then um, they, they, they get 140 applications, and then they wrap as a technical jury um, who have anthropologists and you know some, some pretty big names on there. Um, and they, they would have liked down to 10. Um, and then... And there's a second jury joins the technical jury uh, with you know, chefs like Basil Ventura, Dominic Crane, uh, Mauro Colodreco, uh, like superstars pretty much of, of the industry. Um, Roca, I mean, it's just amazing, really. And they yeah. deliver, you know, they get together for a week and they, they go through every single application and there's a lot of phone calls made to, you know, people that, that, that you've worked with over the years and, you know, there's a lot of communities are ringing me saying, now we have some weird phone call from a Spanish guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, you know, they do the homework, which is, 
you know, which is great. And I think well, that's good to hear because they don't have any special agenda. They're just truly looking at a, a wholesome product, aren't they? Yeah, and I think the awards sort of made all the more special by you know the the, the jury itself, the quality of the other finalists, and the fact that you know they they, they do do the homework and it's not just a you know a flimsy award that they give out once a year. It's, it's pretty significant. Oh, that's fantastic. What's next? Arana was the first of this type of thing in Australia. It must be difficult to keep on reinventing it to stay up to date, or are you finding that there's still lots of new ideas coming from the communities? Look, there's, you know, there's over 10,000 native ingredients that are edible here in Australia, so there's no shortage of, of new ingredients okay. you know, for us to use. And you know, I, I suppose we never really look at it as reinventing ourselves, we're just we, we come across new ingredients when we work with new people, and, and um, yep. you know. Well, what do you think? What do you think will be the next big ingredient? We've had the cacala, the salt push, and myrtle. Is there something that's really piquing your interest at the moment? I mean, we we use forty to fifty ingredients at any one time in the menu. So, um, you know, like I say, there's, there's no shortage of of new ingredients no. and stuff. that's different. I can I can really pinpoint one. They're all they're all amazing. Adelaide team member Diane Matson interviewing Jockson Frillo four years ago.